We're in a series called The Fight. And last week, we took a look at the fight for marriage, okay? We took a look at the six purposes of marriage. And we did a little interview. Jason Gans interviewed my wife and I. And um, what I understand from uh, feedback from Facebook and just you all personally coming up here, um, I'm retiring today. My wife's taking over. She did a great job. Um, But today we're going to be taking a look at the family, the fight for the family. And I choose the word fight because families aren't strong by accident. By accident, honestly, they're average. And my heart for our spiritual family, for those families that are here, is I don't want you to be average. I want you to stand above the crowd. I want you to be a mountain in a desert, okay? And I choose the word fight because there are forces working, economic forces, spiritual forces, cultural forces, okay? Uh, Social forces that want to destroy your family and our families. Today what I wanna do is I just wanna take a look at the positive side of how to fight for your family. In the Old Testament, there is this guy named Nehemiah. And his day, he said this to his families, don't be afraid of the enemy. Remember the Lord who is great and glorious and fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, your homes. He says, your family is worth fighting for. People have this mentality that once their kids get to a certain age, it's kind of like, okay, it's over with, nothing I can do. Nehemiah saying, don't go down that road. Regardless of where you are at on the road of family, you may be a single, guess what? You're still a part of a family somewhere. Or whether you are a young family, have young ones, or your kids have already grown, okay? There are four common traits that, rep- that are represented in a strong family, and I've put them as symbols here today. And the first symbol of a strong family, take some notes because we're gonna interview my kids today. You're gonna find out what Cheryl and I are really like, okay? But the first symbol of a strong family is this. It's a board game. It's Candyland. How many of us are familiar with Candyland? May I see your hands? Yes, I want you to know, it it doesn't take intelligence to play this game. It's for three and up. It's a game of chance. And why I chose a board game, Candyland, is this. Will you write this down? Strong families are playful. You see, this is the first common denominator of strong families. that They know how to play. They enjoy one another. Today, this is a missing element in so many families. Today, families are tired and worn out. They're stressed out. They're negative. I mean, who wants to come home to something like that? Today, the average family is all work and no play. The fact is this, though. Your family isn't a boot camp, and you're not the drill sergeant. Your family isn't a business, and you aren't the CEO. Your family isn't a research center, and you aren't a scientist. There's no science for raising perfect kids in a perfect family. Folks, it's an art. And part of the paint that you put on the canvas is play. Now, we're real familiar, I know, that the, about the Bible teaching the importance of work, and work is important. But most people don't realize that God gives equal emphasis on play. Take a look at what Solomon says out of Ecclesiastes 8.15. 
Solomon says this, I commend the enjoyment of life. Will you circle the word enjoyment? You see, play is extremely important to development. For kids, play is work. For kids, recess is an important time. My, my, I have two grandkids that just started kindergarten. And so I called them up on their first day of school and says, hey, what did you like about kindergarten? Kindergarten, they said, oh, we have two recesses. <laughs> Recess to them is like opening a book. Will you write down this verse? It's first, uh, first Timothy 6, 17. I wasn't able to get it into the outline for you. It says this, God generously gives us everything for our enjoyment. Do you realize that everything in this world that God created was for your enjoyment? Which means that God wants life to be enjoyable for you, not enduring. God meant for you to enjoy life, to play, to have fun. Solomon says this in Ecclesiastes 11.8, people ought to enjoy every day of their lives, no matter how long they live. Now, why is this so important? It's because you don't know how long you're gonna live, do you? So whatever living you're gonna do, you better do it now, and especially if you have kids, because before long, they are out of the house. When my kids were growing up, I determined that the number one thing that I wanted them to know about our family was not that we are spiritual, was not that we are smart, but rather that we were loved and that we had fun. Now, I don't care whether you're single or whether you're married with young kids or your kids are moved out, you're an empty nester, you need to write this down. Will you write, write this down? People don't remember what you say, but they will remember how you made them feel. My kids don't remember anything that I taught them in the early years. In fact, they could care less about the sermons that I wrote, okay? But they do remember how dad made them feel. Now Solomon hones in on this, this kind of playfulness and enjoyment in this verse, Ecclesiastes 9.9, where he says, enjoy life with your wife whom you love. You see, if you're a dad, dad, enjoy, the greatest gift that you can give to your kids is for you to enjoy their mom. For you to have fun with their mom, it creates stability and security and it produces peace in their heart. When I hear couples say, you know what, we really don't have the time because we have kids to go out, I think that is a serious mistake. Because you are the first and the greatest model of relationships. If your kids, if all they see are two ships passing in the night, if all your kids see of you as a mom and a dad is work, 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 work all the time, guess what? They're going to grow up thinking that that's what marriage is all about. It is not. Enjoy your mate. In fact, not only enjoy your mate, but enjoy your kids. David in Psalms 127 verse 3 said this, children are a gift from God. Will you circle gift? Now let's be honest here. There are some gifts we would like to exchange, right? <laughs> there are times that all three of my kids, I would, my boys, okay, okay, you want them, you've got them, okay, no problem here, okay. But what, what is a gift? It's something to be enjoyed, isn't it? Are you enjoying your kids 
or are they just a pet project of yours? Solomon expands on this. In Ecclesiastes 8, we've looked at it. Let's look at the last half. In 8.15 where he says, I recommend having fun. That way you will experience some happiness along with all the hard work God gives you. When kids were asked what the number one thing that they would like to do with their families, their answer was absolutely shocking. The number one thing, the most often referred to by kids of what they wanted to do with their family was this, play board games and not video games. Isn't that shocking? Why? Because video games are kind of one-on-one. It's kind of a personal thing. Whereas board games, you have to interact with adults. So will you write this down? Play creates bonds. Play creates bonds and a pathway for critical conversations. And I'll speak to the latter one later. But play creates bonds. I talk with successful guys all the time who tell me, you know what, I give my wife and my kids all the trappings of Collin County and it is never enough. I just can't figure it out, Pastor George. And I just tell them they want you. They want your time because love equals time. When you give them your time, you are giving them your life. And when you give your life you can't, and your time, you can't get that back. And so what they need is a foundation first. I don't care whether they're young or 40 years old. Mine's almost 40. And I still play with my kids. They need fun with the family, in the family. And by the way, that's the way church ought to be with our kids, right? It ought to be fun. The second symbol of strong families is this, a watering can, okay? Watering cans water flowers and plants and vegetables. The main, in, in, in life, water is required to grow a garden. And our families are like gardens. They, they need to be grown, they need to be cultivated, they need to be developed. Like a garden, you gotta weed it, you gotta water it, you gotta care for it. And so the second characteristic of strong families, not average families, but strong families, is this. Will you write this down? A strong family encourages growth. And it encourages growth from everybody. Not just the kids. Everybody grows. Mom grows, dad grows, brother grows, sister grows. Now this may shock you, but I'm gonna say it anyway. If your family isn't growing, your family is boring. If your family isn't growing, your family is boring because you're stuck in a rut. And if your family isn't taking on new initiatives and new interests, your family is boring. Now, this was not true of Jesus. In Luke 2, verse 52, it says this of him. He was 12 years old. Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and with man. Notice that there are four kinds of growth, okay, that you want in your family for everybody, not just for the kids, but for mom, dad, brothers, and sisters, okay? You want wisdom. That's intellectual growth. You want stature. That is physical health. You want favor with God. That's spiritual growth. You want favor with man. That is social or relational growth. Everyone in the family needs to be growing in those four areas. So let me ask you this question. As we start, That's why we've got a ministry fair. 
as we start this new calendar year in the sense of based on our kids and life in our lifestyles, how are you going to be different one year from now? Honestly. People ask me, George, what do you do on your sabbatical with your wife? Most of our time, we enjoy each other. Cheryl and I go on walks, all kinds of things. But you know what? We spend a good portion of our time thinking through goals. These four areas plus a few others. What are, where are we at and where are we going? Introducing new things into our life. Now hear me out. There are some things that you can only learn in the family. If you don't learn them in the family, you know what's going to happen? You're going to have a rough life the rest of your life. I can tell you this, most adult problems come from the fact that, that when they were kids, they didn't learn things correctly or they didn't learn the right skills. And if you don't learn them when you are a kid in a family, you're going to have a rough life the rest of your life. So let me give you five things that, that everyone should be learning in the family. The first one is this, what you do with your feelings. Families that are truly fighting for everyone learn how to recognize feelings. They learn how to name feelings. They learn how to own their own feelings. They learn how to express their feelings. Secondly, the second skill that you learn in a family is how to handle conflict. You see, kids don't know intuitively how to do that. And if kids don't see mom and dad learning how to work out the differences, I'm going to guarantee you this, they're going to have a rough time when they get older in life. The third thing that you learn in a family is how to handle losses because everyone's going to lose something in life. In fact, a kid who has no losses early on, I think is detrimental to their growth. They aren't going to learn the, the quality of resilience. And so everyone loses big things and little things. And so a family needs to learn how to grieve. I will never forget a time when Matthew wanted a lizard and we got it for him for Christmas. Got the big thing like this. I went off on a conference in February and two months later, it is sick. We are spending more money at the vet for, than what we paid for this lizard. And it passed away. Guess what? As a family, we didn't poo-poo that. Hey, don't worry about it. We'll just go out and buy you another one. No. We gathered together and we wept together. We cried and we had a funeral for this lizard. It is buried in the backyard of our Plano house, okay? Families have to learn to grieve together. The fourth thing that you learn in a family is what, val what values matter most. You have to help your kids know what's important and what isn't important. Would you agree that the world's values aren't good? I think we all would. The world says, hey, what matters is how you look. You better be wearing the right kind of things, okay? You better have the right symbol on your shirt. You better possess the right kind of phone. You better be involved in the right kind of click group. You better have sex. Folks, our kids are learning all these things from our culture, from movies, from video games, from songs. Honestly, we need to be teaching our kids that the devil is alive on planet Earth that he's operating through three basic temptations, sex, salary, and status, that he's operating through pleasure and possessions and position. When my kids were young, 
We would watch TV together with them and when the world would put forth a value that wasn't biblical, we would point it out and then we would teach them the right value. We need to be fighting for our kids. The fifth thing that you learn in a family is this, good habits. And habits determine character. Will you write this down? Manners make the man. And when I say man, I'm speaking universal in person. Manners make the man. When a little kid learns manners, I'll guarantee you this, he's gonna know more than most adults in our culture. So how do you do this? Let me give you two ways to do it and two ways not to do it. First of all, you do it through example. Jesus did this. In John 13, says this. Jesus said, since I have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. Folks, we learn more through the eyes than we do through the ears. The second way to do it is through conversation. And remember what I said, play is, is the basis, it, it creates the bond and it creates the pathway for critical conversations. Now, unfortunately, families in our culture don't have critical conversations. Most of the conversations are around logistics. We gotta go here, we gotta go there, make sure you have this, make sure you have that. Did you get this? You forgot that? Okay, we're gonna go back home and get this. Hey, when you get there, make sure you do this. It's all, and most of it is built around logistics and not critical stuff. Notice God's mentality as he's forming a nation, this young family called Israel, in Deuteronomy 6, verse seven. You must teach God's commandments to your children and talk about them when you're at home or out for a walk at bedtime and the first thing in the morning. Will you circle the phrase, talk with them? Critical conversations at at least four times a day Will you circle home, walk, bedtime, and morning? He's saying that there are critical moments that you and I need to capture. And I believe play is a great one of those moments, walking outside, just having fun. You see, this is what God tells us to do if we're gonna fight for strong families. And yet, culture would say this, hey, I'm just gonna let my kids decide for themselves. What's important, what isn't? You are kidding me! What 10-year-old knows what is right and what is really wrong? We've got to be passing our values of what's important and what isn't important. Two ways not to do that is through criticizing, nagging, complaining, condemning. Why? Because when you criticize, you're focusing on what you don't want rather than what you do want. And not only that, when you criticize, you are labeling. It is reinforcing the negative, and it doesn't work. Well, Pastor George, I just want to make them tough. You're not going to make them tough. You're going to make them into failures, okay? And by the way, it doesn't work for preaching either, okay? Being negative to a spiritual family doesn't work Either that's why I am personal, practical, and I am positive. I choose to be positive because most people don't understand that repentance doesn't mean stop the bad. It means start doing good. Go in this direction. This is the right direction. 
That's why I'm personal and I'm practical and I'm positive. Negativity doesn't work. Take a look at Ephesians 6.4 with families. Don't keep on scolding and nagging your children, making them angry and resentful. Instead, bring them up with the loving, loving training and teaching of the Lord. Another one not to do is comparing. Why? Because everybody is unique. Take a look at Galatians 6.4. Each person should judge his own actions and not compare himself with others. Then he can be proud of what he himself has done. James is bringing to our attention that there is a bad kind of pride and there's a good kind of pride. Bad pride is when you compare yourself to other people. You know what, I'm better than you because of what I wear. The, the phone that I possess, okay? The click that I hang with. But the good, there's a good pride and the good pride is when you compare yourself to yourself and you say to yourself, you know what, I've done the best that I can do. You see, I, I know you've heard this before, but honestly, I love our spiritual family. I do. I love LifePoint. But let me add to it, I'm also proud of LifePoint. We are a unique expression of Christ in this community. And we are doing the best that we can do. And so you don't compare yourself to others. The third aspect of a strong family is this. Will you write this down? Strong families protect each other. And this symbol is a raincoat. We got a red one and a yellow one up here. We know this, don't we? That in life, there are, there are good days and there are bad days. There are days when the sun is shining and there are days when it's raining. And when it's raining, it rains on the good and the bad. It rains on the, the righteous and the unrighteous. Why? Because we live in a broken world, don't we? And when you're going through some kind of storm, whether it's emotional, mental, physical, relational, whatever storm, you need a family around you to protect you. Families are meant to protect one another, not devour one another. Take a look at Ecclesiastes 4, verse 9. Two are better than one. If one of them falls down, the other can help him up. But if someone is alone and falls, it's just too bad. Because, it's just too bad because there is no one to help them. Now let me share with you three storms that I think every family should be prepared for, okay? The first one was simply this, change. Change happens all the time, okay? You're driving down the road of life, in a car even, and what happens? Boom, you hit a bump, okay? There's a pothole. And what does it do to the car? It throws it out of alignment. And what do you have to do? You gotta take it to a professional and readjust the wheel alignment, okay? Same happens with families. You're going down the life, and sometimes there are major changes that happen. When that does, when that occurs, you need to gather around. You gotta circle the wagons, okay? But sometimes as well, you need to go to a professional. You need to go to a counselor. You need to go to Stephen's minister or, or a pastor. You need to get professional help. And that isn't strange. Professional athletes, when they're in a slump, you know what they do? They go to a counselor, except it's not called a counselor. It's called a coach. They go to a coach who helps them through that change that they're going through. Everybody needs a third perspective. The second storm is this, harmful ideas. Our kids are being bombarded with harmful ideas. By the time a, a, a child gets to be 18 years old, they will have viewed 18,000 hours of TV. 
They will have seen sex betrayals. They will have seen all kinds of perversions. If they play video games, they will have seen tens of thousands of murders. In our culture, they, they will follow celebrities that they should have no business of following. So listen, listen to me. We do a great job of providing for our kids. But we need to do as equally a good job of protecting them. We, we will do anything to make sure that we offer them clean, organic food. But we allow their minds to feed on junk. We gotta be strong. And we gotta, we gotta fight for our families. The third storm is rejection, and we all experience it. This isn't just for our kids, and especially when they get into middle school and high school, and it's really a peer type thing. This is for mom and dad as well, for grandma and grandpas. I didn't get time, but will you write down Psalms 71, verse nine? The psalmist said this, and now in my old age, I, I threw this in for my kids, and now in my old age, don't set me aside. Don't abandon me when my strength is failing. You see, for many of you, you're going down that road now, aren't you? When you were young, your parents took care of you. But now that your parents are getting older, you are taking care of them. We're getting ready to do that for my mom. My mom's gonna probably be down here in about a year. You know what that's called when that happens? That's called family. Families are playful, they encourage growth, but they also protect each other. The fourth thing, aspect of a strong family, not an average family, but a strong family, is this, they serve God and others, and the symbol is a globe. You see, an average family just thinks of themselves. Folks, doesn't take any effort whatsoever just to kind of live within your, your own family, within your walls. It's totally another thing to live outside your walls. Today, I am the man that I am because of my mom and my dad. I will never forget in elementary school and in, in, in middle school, kind of early high school, my mom took me down to the slums of Kansas City and we went to see this one lady, uh, Miss Ducey. She'd been a widow for 30 years. The home she had in, there were holes through her walls. It stunk to high heaven because it was filled with cats. And yet my mom would take us down there about once a month, maybe even more often than that, and we would just sit and we'd visit. We'd bring clothes, we would, we'd bring food, we'd bring Chris, all that kind of stuff. I mean, we just, on top of that, my dad. My dad adopted families. I'll never forget this one family. It was the Wise family. Roy Wise, poor as a church mouse, lived out in the country, had no education, okay, only through elementary. My dad helped him get his GED so he could then get a job at the Ford manufacturing plant in the Kansas City area. This was the attitude that I grew up in, that others were more important than myself. Take a look at this verse, Hebrews 10, 24. Let us think about each other and help each other to show love and do good deeds. This is what strong families do. So let's invite up my two boys, okay, I have three, but one works nights, Aaron, okay, so he's not here, but this is Matthew and David. Matthew is my middle boy, he's right here. 
He's a hunk, hunk of burning love, looks like his mom. That's what everyone says. And then that's David, the son of Cheryl, okay? So everyone knows him. And this, these are my kids, and we're just going to hang it out, okay, for you guys to kind of understand our family, the pluses and the minuses, and please be merciful, okay? We'll see. Okay. So, so happy to be here. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Guys, thank you so much. Guys, thank you so much for uh, being a part of this today. I want to start off with a, just a, a pretty easy question. Tell us about a time uh, whether your parents whether it was intentional or unintentional or accidental, uh, when they created a really good memory for you guys as a family? I cannot think of anything. <laughs> yeah. That's well, normal, though, yeah. so would you I mean like? We had great closets growing up that we were uh, put into, so. So. At least we changed out the clothes occasionally. Yeah, you know. that's great. Uh, no, we, we had fun. So what I loved about um, our family was, to be honest, guys, like what you see from dad up here is, is like what you get at home. And there's not, you know, one person on stage, one person back home. You know, mom and dad were who they were on stage or at home. And that's what made, I think, life fun. And so... We'd have times we called B and O, right? Boys' night out, and we'd dad take all the brothers out, and we'd just go and eat junk food and watch a movie. I remember one day we'd go to the <laughs> poor dad. We went to the Dollar Theater and saw three movies at the Dollar Theater, right? Um, all in a row. Yeah, I uh, we loved uh, growing up. We loved the Oakland A's, like the Mark McGuire, Jose Canseco A's. I remember my mom spoiled us with Twinkies <laughs> and. Ooh. And uh, we just sat and watched the World Series. And so just, you know, just, I don't know, we just had a lot of, uh, just a lot of fun. Um, the pastors at the church would come over. You guys know Steve Chalk and Pastor Kyung. When they were single and desperate, you know, they would come over to our house. And, uh, <laughs> that is so yeah, true. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, but we just played board games and Scrabble or Sorry and, and uh, just had a blast. Just had a blast growing up. So what about you, Matt? Um, I remember uh, when I guess a couple of friends came over and uh, dad went out and got a couple cans of shaving cream. And we had a shaving cream fight in the front yard and made a terrible mess. But that was a lot of fun. And um, uh, uh, we went, uh, we'd go to Colorado sometimes. Uh, and we'd go whitewater rafting a lot. And on one of these trips, my mom came along. And in the middle of the best rapid, she gets thrown out of the boat, <laughs> takes out the guy behind her. <laughs> yeah. So, and then uh, through all the commotion, I pull mom back in. And um, there was hesitation, though. Yeah, well, <laughs> I don't know if I should pull you it was. We were there. Pull her in. Pull her in. <laughs> we, we had a moment. I was looking in her eyes. I was like, right. my birthday's coming up. You know that, right? <laughs> um, but uh, since then, I don't think she's gone white water rafting. <laughs> Can I put some? I want to inject something, Jason. Okay. Um, we were always playing tricks on mom, okay? I did when, when, when kids weren't there. I would, she'd go to bed and I'd be hiding and then she'd be falling asleep and I'd raise up, hello, and it'd scare the living dinosaur. But one time we were at this park and there were fun rides and she's asking, 
Now, I've been forgiven of this lie. But, George, is this a roller coaster? I never answered her, you know, and kept her away from those signs. When we get to the front of the line, this is a roller coaster. You got to go. Look at all these people behind us. So it was always a blast with mom. For you. It was. <laughs> Poor mom. Poor, poor mom. <laughs> well, with that in mind, okay, when, guys, what about a time when they thought something was going to be fun, but it wasn't fun or a good memory? Um, oftentimes now dad will walk the malls going over his sermons. And when we were kids, sometimes he'd take us along with him. Um, this is back when, before, uh, Stonebriar Mall even existed, we'd go to Concrete Mall, uh, back when it actually had a creek running through it, if anybody Glory remembers days. that. <laughs> Anyways, so he'd, he'd bring us along and it's like, all right, we're going to the mall. No, it's not fun. There's only one toy store in the mall and we'd be there for hours. Just, well, what was he doing during this time? I'm just walking the mall, talking to himself. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Fun. <laughs> Boys. Like, there's it was only amazing. so many times you can walk through Foley's, right? <laughs> J.C. Penney's as a kid. Wow, that was so great. Oh, look at this sweater. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Catalogs. <laughs> Other times. Oh. Oh, things that weren't fun. Oh, Dad would be like, oh, hey, listen to my sermon. That wasn't fun. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that is cruel. <laughs> You guys can relate. You know, we're all here. So. Uh, no, let's see. I remember um, we went to Disney World, right? And you think Disney World would be this, you know, epic, awesome family trip. But both Matt and I, all we remember is just walking. <laughs> just so much walking. Walking around and... Um, it just felt kind of like a museum, and I remember I was so frustrated with my family, I just like walked ahead of them, and I was just like muttering like all the curse words I learned from him, right, to myself. <laughs> it's so stupid, like why are we here, right? And, and uh, yeah, it was just one of those trips where like, you know, I don't know, like, yeah, it just, it just didn't seem fun. Like the most fun thing we did was just go to the beach and put our, our toes in the sand, so. So I have to ask, because this was uh, my in-laws, uh, you know, I didn't really do Disney World that much, but from what I understand, there's a special way to go to Disney World so that you get it all in, and you have to go to certain rides first, and I mean, did they, did, was that the deal, was that you were going to hurry up and walk everywhere and do everything, was that what happened, you think, or? No, our, our family trips are just whatever he wants to do. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, I'm paying for it, okay? <laughs> Dad would come to us and be like, the world doesn't revolve around you. <laughs> oh, who does it revolve around then? That guy. <laughs> <laughs> so, right, well, Let's that, go on to the next this subject. This is a good segue, actually. So, uh, so how, about, how about a time that you, your parents intentionally or accidentally helped you take a step of growth? My turn. Okay. Yes. Okay. Um, okay. So, uh, summer of eighth grade after eighth grade, uh, I went on my first mission trip and, uh, me and Matt just went, I, dad, mom and dad didn't go to with us for whatever reason, but, uh, I was enjoying my wife. Yeah. That's weird. <laughs> Thanks for that. Dad. Beautiful memory now, Scar. 
Parents, take your kids on mission trips. Yeah, no. Um, no, we went on a mission trip, and, uh, you know, it's interesting. Um, you know, we went to New Orleans with our students this last spring break, and there was a few parents who were like, oh, we don't want to send our kid because it's not safe. And um, our parents just were never like that. I think I, maybe they wanted us to die or something. I'm not sure. but Exchange, um, yeah. No, they, they want, uh, what I loved about um, growing up is they, they encouraged that. They, they wanted us to to go on a trip that was outside our comfort zone. They want us to go on a trip where we serve God, where we're with our church family. Like we never went on a summer camp growing up. Like we went on mission trips and, and we loved it. We looked forward to it. Dad and I went to Russia twice and uh, those trips just changed my life, changed like how I view everything. I remember going to a juvenile prison with my dad and meeting stu uh, kids just like my age who were, into who were in prison for simply just stealing food mm -hmm. because they were hungry. And it just broke me. And I remember, you know, telling dad that night, I was like, man, I, I want to go to, I want to be a missionary. Like, I want to go into ministry. And it would have been really lonely, I think, if, if my dad wasn't on that trip. Like, going, having that experience and coming home and not having to, to relate with that. And I remember getting off that plane and just hugging my mom and bawling. And she got it, right? And so... Um, we just, I, there was that value of like, hey, we want you to go. We want you to serve. We want you to experience things and, and, and experience the joy of serving the Lord. So I really appreciated that. Um, I remember as a kid, my parents would pay us for doing our quiet times. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. That was such a bad practice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, we pay them to do other things. Why not that, you know? Read your Bible. Money will just come down. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing. But, um, so we would read a chapter or two and write down in our journal um, a verse and what it meant to us, right? And then at the end of the week, you know, they, they'd give us some money. And we're like, oh, this is great. Easy money. Yeah, yeah. so easy, but... I was being tricked. <laughs> little did I know. Little nuggets of wisdom, you know, slowly imparting themselves onto me. So, but the deal was, if if uh, if he shared our devotion in a sermon, we got two dollars. <laughs> Look at me, I, I got to preach, you know, up here eventually. So I, I guess he liked my devotion. Three dollars. Yeah, three dollars. So, yeah. so, <laughs> what about a time that they were they? Uh, led you to do something that they thought was supposed to really help you grow, but it just didn't? Um, I remember it was maybe ninth, 10th grade, something like that. They paid somebody to come in and give me an aptitude test, try to help me figure out what I wanted to do with my life, what I wanted to be, a career or whatnot. And I think I scored highest on accounting or social, or social work or something like that, but... Yeah, I don't do either of those. <laughs> and I, I scored pretty much, you know, perfectly average on the rest. So that is just kind of mm. just like a test, you know. It's like, here, you know, it's going to be fun. Take this long three-hour test. <laughs> Remember, I'm your boss. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, you did everything perfect. So. <laughs> um... Oh, you know, I'll be honest. So I think uh, I'm embarrassed to say this, but I actually only mowed our lawn once growing up. 
Um, you know, I remember mowing it once and then dad just looking over in like disgust, like, you know, butthead, just give me the lawnmower, right, you know? And, uh, and so, yeah, and we kind of like to say it's because dad's, you know, a little bit of a control freak, so to speak. So he likes to do things his way and, which was great growing up. I mean, I didn't have to do hardly anything, right? But, <laughs> um... But what I noticed was, like, my wife and I, we bought a house uh, about a year ago. We have a big corner lot, and here I am mowing a, a lawn for the second time <laughs> in my life. I'm like, what am I doing? And, like, try pulling out a weed whacker, and I'm just, like, tearing up my legs, right? Um, and so, you know, I look back on those times, and I, I kind of wish, you know, I wish uh, they maybe... Dad would have loosened up a little bit, given us opportunities to, to teach us and let us fail and, um, you know, maybe have uneven grass every once in a while, so to speak. So a follow-up to that, and it relates to it, is, you know, there, there are some parents that uh, step in quickly anytime their kids begin to struggle. Is there a time that you feel like that they should have let you deal with something on your own uh, as opposed to, to stepping in? Um, yeah, definitely with me. I remember seventh grade geometry class. <laughs> um, I did pretty well in all the other maths and sciences, but for some reason, you know, squares and rectangles were difficult. Um, but uh, we had um, just, uh, maybe not a saying, but, um, you know, it's okay to try and fail, but, you know, you give something your best. You do your best. And it's not just saying, you're, you know, I've given this my best. You, you, know, you have to prove it. You know, so we came up with, you know, different ways to study. We did, you know, note cards and things. And I went in early um, and did uh, tutoring sessions with the teacher and stayed late. And I just really, you know, gave it my all and, you know, ended up, you know, pulling out a B. So that was, that was definitely. I can't think of anything like growing up, but I'm like in more like adult life. Uh, you know, moving out to California, uh, dad always has, you know, he's very uh, opinionated, right? And it's, uh, so dad would always be, you know, hey, you need to be doing this, like, and not this, right? You need to be going to this church and not this church. You need to be learning under this guy, not this guy. And, uh, you know, I, obviously that's parental wisdom and it's good, but I think, um, again, it was a little bit of that control. <laughs> so, um, and so I think... Uh, Looking back on it, there's times I think where with your kid, instead of trying to maybe push your agenda onto them, say, hey, well, what's, what's God doing in your life? And, you know, try to discern where the Spirit's work is, is and kind of jump on that. And so, um, yeah, it was probably those times where I was like, hey, like, just let me learn here. Let me kind of experience this and, and give me money. All right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. There's the deal. Yeah. You know, Georgie said it earlier, the, the probably, I, I think one of the greatest gifts that a parent can give child is, is resiliency, the ability to bounce back. Um, there's, we all fall at some point, and if we don't learn how to bounce back before the stakes are so high, you know, and as we age, the stakes just get higher and higher to where in our, you know, when we're in our mid, middle ages, you know, when the, so much rides on us, um, having learned the ability to bounce back after failure is just vital. And so I think that's, that's great to let your kids, you know, to encourage them to do those things. So how did your parents most effectively communicate their love to you guys? Um, you know, presents, money. <laughs> uh, Ridicule. 
No. We uh, recently went together to get his will done just to make sure everything's right. proper. I think um, circling back to play, it's uh, spending time together. Um, whether it's, you know, as kids going out to Rangers games with a cooler full of hot dogs and Capri Sun, which were a lot more difficult to open back then for whatever reason. Um, Mom wouldn't allow it today, that's oh, for sure. No. Uh, too many orange. Anyway. Veggie dogs. <laughs> High in fiber. Uh, um, where was I going with this? Oh. <laughs> Um, just to, to spend time with each, with each other, whether it's, you know, going out to games or, uh, um, we made Christmas ornaments out of Play-Doh. Some of them are still around. Who knows what they put in those things. <laughs> but, um, you know, just spending time together, little things. Yeah, I think, uh, as I look back on it, and I don't, I don't want this to sound like, you know, we're the pastor's family, so of course it's like this way, um, but uh, God was like always number one in our house. And you know, being in student ministry, you kind of see like, okay, yeah, you know, some of our parents really struggle, like their kid's number one, right? And everything is about the kid. And in our household, like I, I'm being honest, like God was really number one. And, and that was, that I've, we've, I think felt loved by that because we kind of knew like what our proper place was. And, um, you know, our whole life growing up was like, hey, we're about advancing God's kingdom, right? And I remember when we were building this building, um, we we're doing the, the campaign for it in the, the student center. And we we're, you know, we lined up as a family and we walked down the aisle as a family to put in our kind of tithe check to build this building. And, and so I love that, um, that value that they kind of put into us. They loved us by showing us that, hey, God God is God, right? We're not, our parents aren't, these, these things aren't, God is God. And then obviously, you know, they, um, our parents, I think, just did a great job of loving us for, for who each of us were. So they, Aaron, uh, dad, mom and dad would take Aaron to the rodeo because he was the cowboy of the family. Um, dad and I uh, would go to baseball games together, spend the night in Arlington. I don't know. I felt like you got the shaft. I'm know. a middle child. <laughs> <laughs> uh, middle boy. All right. Do. Aaron got the rodeo. David got the baseball. Um, All right. That's it. We're done. <laughs> yeah. You know, our mom, uh, I share this first service. I, I feel like I have to share it to be fair. This little right. TMI, okay? This, this is a safe space. We would call our mom uh, the Orifice Queen. Yes. Because she would literally check every hole and crevice in our bodies. Yes. Right? Sorry, Mom, wherever you are. <laughs> to, to make sure that we were clean. And she'd just get this weird enjoyment out of it, I think. Uh, but, you know, we always found it kind of annoying growing up. But I think, uh, I think now we really, pr I think our, at least our wives are thankful. So... <laughs> yeah, really thankful. So, yeah, so our parents just, um, they just loved us for who we, uh, who we were. Uh, and we were all really different, and yet they just kind of embraced those differences. And, and so one last story, I remember I was a senior in, in high school um, playing basketball. I was on varsity because you can't put seniors on JV. And... <laughs> And I wasn't good at all, but dad just made this commitment just to say, I'm going to be at every game. And he was. And some games were like in Kalisburg near Oklahoma and Argyle over in Denton. Um, but he was at every, I don't think he missed one game. And so there was, I mean, and dad would do that for Matt. He would do it with, for Aaron. 
And so, I mean, I think we just grew up always knowing, even though mom and dad were busy with ministry, we always felt, man, that we knew that we mattered to them and we knew that we were valued by them. And that was, that was huge for us. Well, guys, thank you for the time. We're going to hand it back to George. Let's, uh, let's, have let's give it up for my kids. Thank That's you. great. <laughs> there is no such thing as a perfect parent, okay? Moi. There's no such thing as perfect kids or a perfect family. I am thankful for God's grace. But you know what? We don't have to be average. We can be strong. And God has given us principles in his word that if we would just dig in, if we'd go out and get involved and start growing, our families could be mountains and deserts that God could use to draw people to himself. That's the challenge. Let's fight for him. Let's pray. Lord, just thank you for your goodness towards our life, that you are our heavenly father and you loved us so much that you sent your son, Jesus Christ, to come into the world that we might know you better, that we might love you and respond to your love that you've expressed to us. God, I thank you for that. Help us. Help us to be those who fight for our marriages that we really understand the purposes of it, God. Help us to fight for our families, God, to be those who are growing and in your word and yet enjoying life, protecting not just our bodies but our minds. God, help us to be families that live beyond our walls. God, we want to be different. And so, God, work in us. I give you this, Lord. Thank you for this time. Continue to speak to us as we continue to talk about fighting for relationships next week. In your son's name we pray, amen.